1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: Please be sure to stick around for the whole show. Our monthly segment called Miles of Books is at the end of this episode. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Katie Snevice. Hello, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. Good. I hear you have returned to
1: the tennis courts. <gasps> I have. So I started playing in leagues again. So I've been doing drills for the past, you know, couple of years, off and on again. I do drills for a couple of months and then I take time off because of weather. And then I go back. So, anyways, I joined a new team, um, Mm -hmm. a woman I don't really know all that well. And it's been fun to get back out there. And I am the singles player on the team. Ooh. Yes. Which is, which I really do love singles for a couple of reasons. A, it's a good workout uh, mm-hmm. versus doubles. And B, if I screw up, then no one is mad at me. I mean, that's really,
2: that's, that's really I what think it is. I there's a positive way to frame that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I know. The, it all rests on your shoulders. You have no one else to blame.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I know. I know. Clearly I need to see Dr. Justin Ross <laughs> to really get over some of that. Maybe it's stems from my high school tennis days. I don't know what it is, but I really enjoy playing it. So anyways, I have, I played my first match a couple of weeks ago and I hadn't picked up a tennis racket in probably six months and have not played in a league match again in a couple of years. And when league matches mean that it counts. So everyone is rated a certain score in tennis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the same in pickleball or not. So if you do well in leagues that year, your, your score can go up. And if you do, you know, poorly, your score can go down.
2: And what, wait, is it also a team sport in that like you have six other buddies and all your uh, points get combined or no?
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that league, there's several different leagues. There's like 18 plus 40 plus, you know, all these different ones throughout the the year. And mm-hmm. at the end of that particular league match or League, I guess, is probably the best word for it. Then there is a number one team, number two team, number three team, and so Mm on and so forth. Yes. So, so yes. And not only matters for me individually, but it matters for my team as well. Okay. So setting the stage for you, I go out on the court (laughs) and... The girl that I – and, of course, I'm coming in hot after dropping off my kids in a million different places. I'm, like, <laughs> sh- slide in the court a minute before the match is supposed to start. So there's zero time to warm up, you know.
2: <laughs> I like okay, barely- the, the-, the theme music I was hearing in my head has just <laughs> – changed rapidly yes yes i mean
1: you know i always want to be prepared and be there way before but it's just never going to happen at this stage in my life um i barely have water you know i think i might have some old Guchos in my bag i'm praying <laughs> that i have some because i need a snack so anyways i show up and because of all this and because i you know I haven't played in a long time and a variety of different reasons, I lose the first set zero six. And I'm Ooh. like, oh my gosh, what just happened to me? So the second set in in between sets, the girl that I'm playing tells me all about how she used to play in college and she plays all the time and da 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 And I was like, okay. intimidation, intimidation. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. But for me, it kind of works opposite. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna get into this match and and really it, it, and and put my best for, foot forward because clearly I didn't play very well in the first set. She also is a good player too. So second set starts and she's up like three, two at three, two. I finally did get a couple of games and then it grows to five, two and you know, the, the match is over at six and I yes. was like, gosh, what am I going to do? So I just, you know, used some mental toughness and I came back and mm-hmm. I tied up that second set, six, six. We went into a tiebreaker I won that tiebreaker. And then instead of going to a third set, you just play another tiebreaker. And I won the tiebreaker in the third set. So I ended up winning the match, which was really fun. And it was, but there's a couple of things, takeaways from this. She, who is, I'm 45. She's probably 41, 42. 42 not only threw her racket during the match because she was so mad, was screaming profanities. I mean, it was just it it was it was unbelievable. I have not seen that since I was like in sixth grade middle school tennis. And it just it it was fascinating to me. It's just tennis is such a game of mental toughness. It, it really mm-hmm. is. I mean a lot all of these sports are right. Obviously running is too but um she just lost it when I started coming back in the second set, but threw her racket a couple of times. The, the captain had to come over and, like, talk her down. I mean, no, it was – No oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. And this woman is over 40. Yes. She's a mom of three kids. I mean, we talked all about it. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, go back home and the girls – my girls are so – it's so cute how interested they are in tennis. And, you know, because I spend all – four hours a day driving around the, to all the different practices, which I love, but you know, they're, we're always talking about their games and practices and whatnot. And so they're always curious about if I won or lost. And I tell them that I won and I tell them that the other girl was a bad sport. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of lessons that we talked about in that. But I, I think what's really awesome about all of this and just coming back to tennis, because I played tennis my whole life from the age of like eight to 18 every single day and wow. then took – Twenty years off, you know, having kids and working and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, that you can still compete as a mom, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in your forties. I mean, we know that with running, but for me, tennis is a little different because I didn't run when I was younger. Tennis is something that I did when I was younger, so it was it was really fun to not only win but also to show my girls, like, oh my gosh, my moms can still like compete in the sport. I didn't I didn't know that people could do that at at her age, so <laughs> it was fun. But then I quickly lost my next two matches and. You know, I'm, I'm humbled down quite a bit, but it's it's fun to get back out there and and put yourself out there, whatever sport it may be. I imagine you feel the same things in, in pickleball all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. That is amazing. Thank uh, that's you. That's very exciting. Yeah. I am all about the come from behind win. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love that. I play with this one guy, Wally. We specialize in it. It's how we originally bonded. And then um, just on Sunday was playing with a woman that I'm actually playing in a tournament next month in June. And so it was the first time that we were out there together. And so we were playing against this woman that I play a lot, Teresa. And then this young guy who was just, and he was really holding back a lot. And he's very athletic with very long limbs and just can move all over the court. And so um the my the partner that I'm playing in the in the tournament with, her name's Lizzie, and Lizzie and I were down three ten and mm-hmm. a pickleball game is over at eleven.
1: Okay, right. And so,
2: you know, it was do or die time. We Ended up pulling it out, thirteen to eleven because you have to win by two. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: so yeah. fun. It's such a rush, right? Oh
2: my gosh! So that was a real high, particular like to just be as you were with that woman having five games in the second set. You're like, no, if she wins one more game, mm-hmm. that it's over. Right. So yeah, yeah. So to be to be that close and hold people is just thrilling. Yes, it is. And I think I think there's not only you know. It is it is that thrill. I mean, how often do you get a real rush like that? You know, it's not like, whoa, I cooked an awesome dinner. Wow,
1: I really folded that laundry great. Uh, you I have the best parking spot at Target today. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, there's right. not much. Right. I mean,
2: sure, sure. If, if we work outside the home, we can have, you know, praise from our supervisors or whatever or, yes. you know you know, I don't know, you, you're a OBGYN and you welcome, you know, a, a set of healthy triplets or whatever. You know, I'm sure there is a rush, but right. but there aren't, you know, they're, they're few and far between in this life. I so.
1: agree. You got to get them when you can.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of dinner. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. I set myself up. Our guest is one of my all-time favorite cookbook authors and recipe bloggers, Janine D'Onofrio, the genius creator of Love and Lemons. Her plant-forward recipes produce delicious meals using seasonal ingredients and healthy whole foods. Janine's third cookbook, Love and Lemon's Simple Feel-Good Food, came out last month, and it's already a New York Times bestseller. Janine lives in Chicago with her husband and school-age son. Welcome to the podcast, Janine. I am a huge fan of yours. Thank you so much
3: for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Janine, what do you do for, because this is a running podcast, we always ask people if they are runners or what they do for fitness. So can you tell us a little bit about your fitness journey and what you do? Well, I'm not a runner, but
3: I, right now I have
1: this intense activity that I do, which is chasing
3: a toddler around most of the day. <laughs> we know how that goes for sure. <laughs> that's pretty exhausting. and a bit How old yes. is your child he's two so he's all over the place he's up and down the stairs and we live in the city so we have a lot a lot of stairs so
1: yeah I'm up and I'm down
3: and if I forgot the sippy cup I'm up again and
0: down again.
1: <laughs> I my husband and I lived in New York when we had our kids and I didn't run for like five years when I had our three babies because that's that's all I did. I mean, I just, exactly. You run around, you chase them all over the park, you forget something, you're running after them on the street. I mean, it's, it is a whole workout in and of itself. So I totally get it. Yeah,
3: it's, it's exhausting, truly. And it starts early in the morning, and it goes a little later than you'd like.
1: <laughs> I always told myself I just had to make it to nap time, right? Like for, hey, yeah, So know. from like six to whatever time after lunch, and I'm like, oh, i can mm-hmm. breathe for right. a couple of hours. I
2: get a break. I can sit. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how'd you get started in the culinary world? I love a good career shift, and I know you were a graphic designer in your previous life. I
3: was. I just learned to love vegetables. I was stressed out in my career and wanted to start to eat healthier. I thought I would just incorporate more vegetables. And I was eating a lot of kale and broccoli and things that I liked to cook and were really green. But then I decided to get a CSA box. And that really threw me for a loop because the first thing that arrived was kohlrabi, which I didn't know what it was called. It was this alien vegetable. (laughs) And I learned just about all kinds of different vegetables. And I started just experimenting in the kitchen and really learning to love each one and learning to cook seasonally. I think vegetables are so beautiful and pretty. And I started documenting it and taking pictures and writing down what I was making. And that was essentially kind of how we
1: started the blog way at the beginning. I love it that you mentioned CSA because that was one of the questions that I had for you. After reading through your cookbook, you mentioned how much you loved going to the farmer's market and how you were inspired to create your meals from the produce you purchased there. And I will admit, I just don't have time or maybe I don't find the time to go to the farmer's market. I live here in Denver, but I have been on the fence about joining the CSA for years. So, you know, besides being exposed to all these different vegetables, I mean, what What else did you like about it? And have you continued to do it over the years? And what would you recommend to a person who's a little nervous about tipping into the CSA box, for lack of a better word?
3: Yeah, well, it it is kind of a commitment because you get this whole box and you want to use it all up. And sometimes you get a vegetable that throws you a curveball and you get a lot of it or you get a lot of it in that season. And then suddenly you're like, Oh, you know, I really like cauliflower, but I'm going to, I have radishes again and again and again. And Mm -hmm. like, how do I think, what do I think about radishes? And, you know, I wasn't the hugest fan of radishes way at at the beginning, but now they're one of my favorite (laughs) things. They're, They're so versatile and you can have them raw or pickled or roasted. And like, that's just an example of kind of figuring out multiple ways to cook the same thing to keep it interesting right now I tend to go to the farmer's market more well in the season I live in Chicago it's not Mm year-round so when it's spring like right now on a Saturday especially with our son it's just something we do in the morning as a family that we love to do is go for you know an hour even and see what's Seasonal. He likes to look at the people and the dogs. And I run around as fast as I can to get my <laughs> farmer's market shopping done <laughs> while he's entertained. You know, I'm grabbing right now asparagus, like I said, radishes, spring onions. Mm-hmm. It's so nice right now, for example, to have produce because it, we've come out of a long, long winter. So right. I'm, you know, I ate asparagus every day this week because it's awesome right now. So that <laughs> I guess that's kind of how I eat. I don't have a CSA subscription right now at the moment, just because for my job, I'm testing so many recipes. um, And sometimes we're working ahead. We work seasons, seasons ahead on the blog. Mm -hmm. So I just have a lot of food in the fridge and a lot of food going around. But one day
1: I'll, I'll, I'll be back there. Yeah, you've inspired me.
2: That's tough because so I come from the magazine world. And so we would work, you know, months ahead so that in July and August we'd be doing the holiday gift guide. Right. And so but but that's one thing, you know, you can always find gifts. And to, to take photos of and to write about, but that's intriguing to me. So it's it's like trying to find peonies for a November wedding. I mean, they're just you have to find things that are out of season. <laughs> you do, <laughs> right?
3: Like right now, we're we're like dabbling into think you know Thanksgiving, like planning out the Thanksgiving calendar. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: <my gosh. laughs> Not a lot of asparagus in the Thanksgiving. Right, game. but
3: we do get excited around like around January is when we start to think start thinking about spring and summer, or like around March. It's still very much winter here and like we'll think about memorial day salad time and start eating mm-hmm. of season salads in the middle of winter and it's like okay it's coming we can get there like just a little bit more it's <laughs> gonna be summer we feel it on the horizon so <laughs>
1: you can I, after i lived in chicago for eight years so i know that feeling all too well you're like oh my gosh it's i it's almost here i don't have to wear my buttoned up winter coat and all the, you know, the hats and gloves and everything. So that's, that's inspiring. Tell us a little bit about your website and the brand name Love and Lemons. I think that's such a beautiful, fresh, like inspiring name. How did you come up with it?
3: Yeah, well, quite literally, I like to cook with lemons. They add something bright to every dish. And if I'm not adding Mm -hmm. a squeeze of lemon to finish something off, I'm adding lime juice or vinegar, rice vinegar, white wine vinegar, I think to make vegetables taste really good, to make a, just a general dish taste good, I like to have a bounce of flavor and like a pop of bright flavor really pulls everything together. That's kind of how I got I got started with Love and Lemons. The idea came to me in the middle of the night and <laughs> I thought, oh, this is great. And I, and I started the blog, I should say, I started it originally in 2011 along with my husband. Okay. We were eating seasonally together, we were going to the farmer's markets together, or we were traveling and exploring food together. So it kind of started off as a husband and wife thing. And then I like handed him the camera one day and said, we're going to start a blog.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: and I went to art school. So I'm like, here's the photography manual. I'm going to style it. And you're going to take the, <laughs> like, you're going to hit the button and take the pictures. And <laughs> i just like, here you go. So, so that's how we started. I
1: love that story. That's cute.
2: Okay, so let's dive into your fabulous new cookbook, which is gorgeous and jam-packed with recipes. So, And I'm, I'm so excited to try so many of them. And last night for my book group, I made spring pea fritters with whipped feta, and it won raves, absolute raves. Numerous people were like, oh my gosh, where'd you get this recipe? You have to share it with me. And I was immediately intrigued by how you've divided recipes into two categories to cater to two different types of cooks. So give us a rundown on those two camps of cooks, please.
3: Yeah. So, um, well, I'm so glad you love the pea fritters. I'm
2: so excited. <laughs> oh, I do have to say, you say in the recipe, you're like, oh, and don't worry, they won't be very, you know, compact, firm mm-hmm. when you st- start, but they'll firm up as they cook. And I was like, oh, that's a load of baloney, Janine. <laughs> when I, because they they are, it's like, oh my gosh, this is not, I, I finally was squeezing them with my hands after mm-hmm. I'd measured them out. And I'm like, oh, these bad boys better oh, form okay. up. Yeah, and they
0: totally yeah. did. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah.
3: oh, I'm so glad that they were such a hit.
2: Oh, huge hit. Huge hit. And that whipped feta, I am going to now definitely put that on yeah. other things as well. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Well, It really works mm-hmm. well
3: with all, all kinds of spring spring recipes too. Or just like as an mm-hmm.
2: appetizer. I'll, I'll Oh,
3: completely. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, just
2: with some crudité? Yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
3: That's what I do. Mm-hmm. You can sprinkle like some lemon zest or some pepper flakes on top. Make it pretty or like a sprinkle of mint.
2: Oh, I did. Um I um kind of chiffonade some some dill on yeah, top because yeah. I had a little leftover. Yeah.
1: You are waiting to throw that word in. Woo! That bingo card.
2: So yeah, so let's the two camps of cooks. Yeah.
3: Okay, so the two camps. So I write a lot of recipes for the blog, for the cookbooks. I love having conversations with readers about how they go about getting a meal on the table. So that became the inspiration for this book. Mm-hmm. And the two types of cooks, um, well, I figured out that there are two types of cooks. There are those that come home and eat a recipe right now. It ideally has minimal ingredients, not that many dishes. And then there are those like that like to plan ahead. Those are the meal preppers. So the mm-hmm. book is divided into two sections called At the Ready and In Advance. So every chapter in the book, breakfast, salads, soups, dinners, desserts, both have an at-the-ready section and an in-advance section.
2: Nice, nice. So, and I appreciate that you admit that you don't fall exclusively into one camp.
3: Yeah, well, I think um, I myself toggle in the middle. I was definitely, yes, I think it depends on like what has going on with my in my life, like mm-hmm. what's going on in a particular week or what's going on in a particular season, I was definitely more of an at-the-ready cook for years and years and years. And now having a baby, that's kind of changed things because suddenly I'm kind of like, well, I better make a little bit of dinner during his nap time so that when it comes time to really get me a meal on the table, there's screaming going on and I have maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> so getting a little bit ahead <laughs> is really <laughs> handy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah I sure. I couldn't agree more I definitely like I meal plan and I my husband and I usually go to the grocery store or one of us does on Sundays and we have it I I feel like I am gonna nail it this week it is gonna be amazing dinners every night and then I don't know something happens on Tuesday and I'm like shoot I didn't meal prep my kids are in school mm-hmm. like elementary school and middle school I didn't meal prep as much as I should have while they were still at school and then I'm driving them around to soccer and then it's eight o'clock and I'm trying to put something together so I'm in advance on Sundays, but at the ready, on like Tuesdays. And right. Sundays. I, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. If I can get ahead a little bit on Sunday, that's,
3: then I'm doing, I'm doing well, but sometimes that doesn't happen either. We're out doing things or we're with the family or we're doing whatever. And it, it didn't happen at all.
1: Yeah. Best, best intentions for sure. But I think that's why this cook it, what, what makes this cookbook so approachable is that, you know, you can kind of, um, jump between both camps. And so I think that's, gonna be very helpful for a lot of mother runners um, that listen to our podcast. So tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the recipes. Like, were there any ingredients or techniques that you really want to include in this book and you made sure to do that? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I
3: think in general, the way I approach making any recipe is it's all built around vegetables. So I think Mm -hmm. first, what vegetable am I going to use? And I like to make sure there's a variety of things so you know at the, at the beginning I start with I have a few recipes that I've made and before a book proposal even starts I'll start with like I had this sweet potato paneer burger that I made randomly one day um and I and, and I ended and we're like this is so good and it had no place no home it wasn't really going to be a blog <laughs> recipe but I just I it was something that I made that that I thought was exceptional and I was like okay I'll set this recipe aside for a maybe Mm -hmm. future project and then once I kind of have like a few of those going where I just I cooked you know randomly and I landed on something really great I'll kind of save it in a folder and okay and so I'll start a proposal with maybe 20 recipes that I know I want to use in some way or another And and then the the concept kind of formed after that.
2: Okay. Mm, Awesome. Well, it's time to hear from the folks who let us bring you this free content. Please consider supporting them like they support us. We'll be back soon. Okay, Janine, your three in one plant and pantry meal plans in the second half of your book are sheer genius. So tell us the approach behind those recipes and how folks can do more of this type of cooking. Yeah,
3: so this is actually something that I dabbled with this idea on the blog. Um, Soon after my second book came out, I had this group of ingredients and I wrote a recipe one day and then a second day and a third day where one recipe worked into the next worked into the next with this same group of ingredients. And Mm -hmm. the feedback that I had from that, like all of a sudden people were like, I want to see a whole book of this. Mm -hmm. So this is a section that's really near and dear to my heart because this is really kind of how I cook. So the plant sections, there are some star vegetables. So it's like how to use a garden full of zucchini or mm-hmm. what I think is impossible, a whole head of cabbage. <laughs> so, you, for example, a cabbage, you get the cabbage and you use a little bit to make a little slot, and then the rest sits in the fridge and it goes bad, and then you never use the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, these three-in-one plans are essentially there's a grocery list and three recipes to go along with it, and they're for what this is what I call meal prep for people who don't like to eat the same thing every day. So it doesn't look mm-hmm. like here is my meal prep, and, and they're in perfect containers. And, and then the dinner is the same every day, because I think that's boring. Mm-hmm. I like to do that for lunch, right. like for lunch salad. Mm-hmm. But for dinner, I, like, I want to make something different. But this is how I cook, where I'll make something, and then some of those components work into day two. And then mm-hmm. by day three, most of the prep has been done on day one, and the recipes flow together. So for example, there's the zucchini section, where it starts with farro stuffed zucchini and it has this farro salad with nuts and other things in it. Then on day two, you use the middles, like the flesh from the zucchini that you scoop Mm -hmm. out to make like the zucchini boats. And Mm -hmm. the middle of the zucchini goes into a creamy pasta sauce with some other things and lemon and it gets topped with sauteed zucchini and mint. And it's a totally separate meal on day two. And then on day three is this grilled zucchini flatbread that uses up everything that was used on day one and day two so it has herbs and and different things on it so Mm -hmm. then by the end of the three days because I think meal prepping like five days is a lot but three I can handle Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be three (laughs) consecutive days but by the end Mm -hmm. of the three days you've, you've essentially used up the grocery list of stuff.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I just think it's so right for the time, too. I mean, it 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 hits on, you know, cutting down on waste, you know, kitchen waste, which is just such a large part of our landfill. And then also, you know, with the cost of food being mm-hmm. so high, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make that recipe because it calls for, I don't know, fresh oregano. And how am I going to use fresh oregano for more than just one dish? So I'm not going to buy $3 worth of oregano for the one teaspoon I need, or whatever. So, you know, being able to use it all up makes economic and environmental sense. So, right. my hat's off to you on that one.
1: Mm-hmm. And thank yeah. you for the expanding section on zucchini because I, <laughs> that is one that really grows very well in our dry <laughs> desert of Denver. And I'm, I have one recipe that my family loves, um, these zucchini meatballs. And then after that, I'm like, I, I just, I'm not sure what else to do with it. So I'm so excited to try the pasta and the flatbread and the boats. It's all, it's just a very clever way to put together the cookbook for sure.
3: Thank you. Yeah. I hope
1: you like them.
2: So then another feature in this book that I appreciate so much are your mix and match segments. And you do them, as you know, for grain bowls, veggie tacos, sauces, vegetable scrap broths, heck, even freezer fudge. Um, so so I used to be a religious recipe follower and I've loosened up a little bit, a little bit over the years. So, But these types of mini guides make me feel a lot more comfortable what I consider winging it. Yeah. Well,
3: I was, like I said, a graphic designer in a past life. So I really love, like I, my brain thinks in it like an infographic. So Mm. I, I kind of like to organize the information the way I would like to see it or the way I think about it. And I think like having the bite size charts and graphics that really make a recipe look simple. Yeah. And approachable and a little bit flexible I think our, I mean, this is my joy. This is what's fun to come up with. And I started doing these charts in the way back in the first book, it was like pesto Mm -hmm. in many ways and all these different things. And people loved that. So I was like, okay, I can do that. Like what's something else I can mix and match and change up. And I had in the second book, I had like a giant grid of salad dressings that everybody loved. And this one I thought, well, finally, um, I lived in Austin for a really long time and remember a really big taco fan. So The mix and match veggie taco has an appearance here and it starts Mm -hmm. with choose a vegetable. Like I said, I'm always starting with a vegetable, choose a sauce. And then you can kind of like, you can make one. There are multiple versions, but like you can make one and it would be a really quick weeknight dinner or you can make them all and then like mix and match and try it and try them.
2: Yeah. And, and my list of things I love goes on and on, um, including the savory breakfast options. And so, you know, like when I go out for brunch, the few times I do it because it cuts into my Sunday workouts, <laughs> you know, that I'm like, Ooh, I want sweet, but I'm also craving savory. Like which, which road do I go down? So were you like consciously trying to steer people into giving savory more of a center stage in the morning? Oh,
3: you know, I, I, Myself am more of a savory breakfast person, so I guess that shows. Um, because, I mean, really, I'm making what the recipes I get included are things that I'm craving or I'm liking, and I think other people would like. Like something I'm really, I'm really not a fan of is I love yogurt, but I don't love like sweet yogurt. Mm-hmm. In, in that application, I love like a yogurt sauce. So, for example, like there's a savory tahini yogurt bowl that. It's one of my favorite. It's so quick and so easy to put together. That's one of my favorite things. And yeah. And then, and then you can pile it with vegetables like radishes or tomatoes. It's like just a vehicle for a really great bowl.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And there are a couple of sweet breakfasts. Like there's this skillet granola that is great with fruit. And I love that when like peaches are in season. That's my sweet breakfast time is summer peach season. Mm. That's when I, I'll, I will eat sweet things all the time and all the overnight oats with peaches. But I have like a Southwestern veggie hash that's like zucchini. Another great way to use your zucchini when you have it um, and <laughs> corn and peppers. And it's so quick to put together because that's the second part of the book that is like it, a fa- the at the ready section. They're fast and easy. And then the chickpea waffles that taste like the flavors that go into a falafel the spices like cumin coriander it mm-hmm. goes into this chickpea flour mixture that mm-hmm. yeah and ends up being a savory thing oh, yeah i guess i do have a lot of savory recipes except for these, <laughs> lemon, these lemon cornmeal scones though i had to get a lemon one in
2: oh yeah those look super good and my my 17 year old daughter saw me looking thumbing through the book and she was like oh those are yeah. good mom mm-hmm.
3: and these these yeah. carrot cake mm-hmm. smoothies that's another that's like a go-to for me too it, it's like a heart, really hearty smoothie, but it's really satisfying.
1: Mm. Yum! Mm. So I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times in a million different ways, but I have three girls that are, um, you know, 13, 11 and 10 years old, and they all play a ton of sports and they burn a lot of calories and require a lot of protein. And I love vegetables and they actually love vegetables too. They will eat anything from bok choy to radish to whatever I put in front of them. But nine times out of 10, our meals always include some sort of meat because, I don't know, I grew up in the Midwest and that's just what I thought every meal had to include. Mm -hmm. So what are, do you have like a couple recipes that you suggest to people that are really trying to be more plant forward that I could try or that a lot of our listeners could try that maybe would inspire our families to eat more plant focused meals as opposed to- you know, just something that includes chicken or beef or whatever it may be?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the book is vegetarian, but I think everybody's different and everybody's needs are different. And surely I don't think that everybody needs to be vegetarian to enjoy the recipes in the book or even to incorporate a vegetarian meal, you know, one day a week or two days a week, um, that sort of thing. But some favorites are for protein, like this white bean, Swiss chard burger. So it's white beans. It's steamed Swiss chard chopped up Mm -hmm. and it's, it's great for spring right now. It has like a sauce on top that has dill in it and they are great for meal prep. Like I have them in my freezer literally, literally right now. Okay. And I pull them out, I thaw them and then cook them off and they're really hearty and a great make-ahead option. And
1: the base is white beans. Delicious. That sounds yummy. And then another
3: is there are these black beans, spaghetti squash burrito bowls. So it's okay. a fun twist on a burrito bowl. So instead of rice, it's roasted spaghetti squash. So you have these spaghetti squash strands, black beans. There's a creamy tomatillo sauce that is cashew based. So it's mm-hmm. vegan, but yeah. um, it has like, you know, a good, like good healthy fat uh, and protein from the nuts and I think that like, that's a really fun option to try if your family likes burrito bowls then that would be a really fun one.
1: We love a lot of bowls. And especially when you can put your own toppings, yeah. right? It's, it's kind of that when your kids are little and you give them more power to, they think that they're choosing what they're eating when they're really not, you're they're choosing what you have on the table for them. But if they get to make their own bowls and assemble it, um, I think that inspires better eaters or that's, what's kind of worked for us. So those are really good ideas. I'm excited to to flag those down. And then another question I had for you was I've never really cooked tofu or tempeh before. I don't even know if I'm saying that it's right. tempeh. Tempeh, sorry. Again, we're a meat and fish living house. Yeah. Are there any recipes that you could recommend that incorporate one or the, one or those one or one of those proteins that I could introduce to my family?
3: Yeah, so we love tempeh. Okay. It's not as popular as tofu, but okay.
1: um it has such a wonderful
3: texture. It's really hearty. And you can season it and flavor it all these different ways. Okay. So by itself, it would be kind of bland. But for example, I have these sheet pan tempeh fajitas. So the tempeh gets like a chipotle marinade and it's roasted in the oven on a sheet pan with peppers and onions and the kind of fajita fixings. And then you serve it with tortillas. That's another one that's great because there's all these different components that you, people can mix, you know, can mix and match and put in their, mm-hmm. in their dish. But the tempeh is... You know, it's, it's like the meat substitute there and it has really nice flavor from the chipotle. Yeah. And then another tempeh option is there's like a a tempeh soba salad with green beans and kimchi. And that tempeh is marinated with, and then it's not like a long marinade. It's like mix it together in a bowl and then put it on the, you know, and then put it Mm -hmm. on the baking sheet. Okay. You marinate it with tamari, lime, and ginger. And, and then it's a soba noodle bowl with green beans and, Kimchi and edamame, which is like then another protein in there.
1: Yes. Oh, that sounds so good.
3: But yeah, and, then, and that again could be a mix and like keep different family members can put different things on their bowl if like they're
1: your solo noodle right. household. Okay. Good. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: So Janine, I know you mentioned Trader Joe's. Uh, I saw it in the book or whether it was on the website. I'm not sure which. So I, I know you're familiar with that store and I'm a huge fan. And so you talking about tempeh. Have you tried their tempeh because it's there. it seems so nut and seed based? Mm. And I was definitely a squirrel in my previous <laughs> life. So I'm all about the nuts and seeds. But it just seems so, it seems very different to me that it, it I don't know, it just seems super seedy. So, do you have a favorite brand of tempeh? Yeah, I, I you know I haven't tried uh,
3: Trader Joe's tempeh, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But I go for the light life tempeh, which is oh. in most you know other like it's at Whole Foods, it's at most regular grocery stores, and mm-hmm. and I just get the original. So not okay. nothing with because I like to add my own seasonings and cook it my mm-hmm. own way. So I don't usually get like the baked one, or although there are different you know things, and I think those are great for like. You want to throw it on a salad or, you you know, get the like bacon flavored one or the whatever, whatever else they have. But I get the, the original one. It's plain. It's nothing on it. And then there's in, in the book. I mean, within the recipes, there's how like there's a specific way that I like to make it, which involves like only just one tiny extra step. Like you steam it first. So Mm. you steam it and then it becomes like a sponge Mm. for whatever you're marinating it with. And then that helps the marinade soak up really quickly and become more flavorful. And it becomes more tender. Mm. It's not just like out of the package, if that makes sense.
2: It does make sense because that, and I don't mean to disparage Trader Joe's because I I do have an altar (laughs) to Trader Joe's here in my house and that, that I, but it's very firm Mm -hmm. and it just, it's very unwieldy. And, and when, you know, when you cut it, it almost is sliced like a, I mean it has almost the consistency of a uh, a dense fudge like it just is there's no it doesn't crumble and that sort of thing so it's very um firm. Yes.
3: But I think it's fine. It's probably fine. Probably just great, but try the steaming technique. So it's like a steam marinade roast. Okay. And it's not, it's not uh, like complicated. It's not difficult, but we have like, we've tested tempeh like left and right up and down. And that's (laughs) like to figure out the best way to cook it. And, Uh and it really kind of like it, it becomes less dense and it really soaks, soaks up these flavors. And then after it roasts in the oven, then there's like, you know, a nice caramelization happens in the oven. And so it's, so I think it's, it's weird out of the package. I'll <laughs> give you that. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, like go like fully through the recipe to the end. And, um, and then, and then I'm, I'm not eating it like plain. Right. It's not mm-hmm. a steak. I'm putting it with, you know, with something and with other <laughs> flavors going on.
2: A deep dive into tempeh <laughs> yes. with Janine D'Onofrio. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. All right, well, that's... And I have, and I have yeah, and some tempeh or other tempeh recipes on the blog, too. Like, I crumble it and stuff it with acorn squash at Thanksgiving <laughs> time. Like, all kinds of things.
2: <laughs> that's a detour we haven't taken before on this podcast. Thank <laughs> you for joining us on that one. Um, all right. So so Katie and I both recently added some new gadgets to our kitchen. Um, like, I realized that our new oven has a nifty air fryer feature. And, and Katie, you got a rice cooker, right?
1: I did. And I will say I never realized... I hate gadgets. Um, I really, I just hate. (laughs) I I, I really, I don't have the space for it in my kitchen and I don't want to take up valuable space. But someone was telling me about an air fryer or about a rice cooker. And I was like, we do eat a lot of rice in our house. And I bought one and I will say that it is just a dream. I don't know why not having to like watch it on the stove and then when Mm -hmm. it bubbles over and you can just put it on the counter, cook it, you can leave it there for hours and it's still delicious when. Um, you go to serve it and hot. It's it's really, it, it, it is one of my favorite new little gadgets mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: So Janine, that leads us to asking, do you have any can't live without kitchen appliances or tools, especially ones that come to letting vegetables and fruits shine?
3: Yeah, my number one cannot live without appliance is my Vitamix blender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is if I, I do a lot of plant-based cooking and blending. And like, it, for example, I mentioned a sauce that was based out of cashews, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. those cashews become a creamy cream sauce in the Vitamix blender. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have like a dessert recipe that are these carrot cake bars that mm-hmm. have this cream cheese. It's not cream cheese. It's, it's raw. It's actually raw vegan. It again made out of cashews and coconut milk and it becomes so creamy in the Vitamix blender. So like in a fire, that's what I would grab. (laughs) Um, I do like my, I have to say like, I do like my air fryer. I don't like the space that it takes up. So it's like in a, I look, I don't like having any appliances on my countertop. Mm -hmm. So everything's put away, but in the air fryer though, chickpeas get the crispiest. Mm. On the blog, I have a recipe for air fryer cauliflower. It gets so crunchy and tofu comes out really well in the air fryer. It gets a nice like, yeah, edge. So I, I mean, I, I totally get not having gadgets, and 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 I don't have any air, like specific air fryer recipes, in like in the book because I want everything to be able to be made in a regular oven. Okay, but yeah. I, I do enjoy my air fryer for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I do have to say I have a, a fear of rice cookers because when I lived in San Francisco, there was a news article about this apartment building that had burned down oh, yeah. and they traced the cause of the fire back to a rice cooker that had been on continuously for 47 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so Katie please unplug yours on occasion.
1: Yeah, oh to- <laughs> well, you know That's me funny. like my countertops are like totally clean there's nothing on it so i use it wash it and put it away like it is, oh, yeah. it is not plugged in but that's that's a good point i will definitely <laughs> remember that when i use it yeah yeah. <laughs> yes. uh,
2: yeah 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 well janine thank you so much for talking tempeh and and vegetables and everything else with us <laughs> this was really fun thank you thank you so much thanks janine all right, Katie, then what are you cooking for dinner tonight?
1: Great. I think I'm actually going to make a Cobb salad tonight. Oh. And then I'm going to go dive into this book and maybe whip up a couple of the recipes she suggested um, in the next few days. It looks amazing.
2: I know. Going to soak that tempeh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't I mean, yes, I will at some point. That is going to be my summer goal. I'm going to start to cook with tempeh.
2: <laughs> it's good to have goals, Katie. Yes. Good to have goals. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we are calling all Another Mother Runner cheerleaders. We're so excited to once again expand our brand ambassador program. If you're a regular listener, you've probably heard numerous conversations with our BAM ambassadors, as we call them, who help us promote and spread the word of our beloved community. These folks do things like posting about AMR assets and its partners on social media, moderating a Train Like a Mother Club Facebook training group, working at an AMR booth at a race expo like some gals just did in Minneapolis last weekend, testing gear for reviews, and more. So we're accepting applications until June 12th. As I speak, it is 2023. If you want to fill these shoes, please fill out our application at anothermotherrunner.com slash hyphen application and I will link to that page in the show notes. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Madour from Fire on the Bluff. (laughs) Oh, and I specifically went to Pickleball last Wednesday with the intent, don't swear on the court. Sarah, don't square <laughs> on the court. I <laughs> like, game two, I'm like, well, guess I'm not living up to that today. <laughs> Hey, thanks for staying with us. This is Miles of Books, our monthly bonus segment. That's 15, 20-minute conversation with Liz Waterstraat, a coach in our Train Like a Mother Club and one of my occasional co-hosts. Hello to you, Liz. Hi, Sarah. So before we started recording, I mentioned that it must be hot there because you're wearing a tank top. So I am curious, does the weather affect how much and how often you read? <laughs> As in, do you read less now that the weather is nice? So maybe you'd rather be
0: gardening or playing outside with your kids instead of reading? I do find that it's much easier to knock out books in the winter. Mm-hmm. Naturally, mm-hmm. you're inside, you have more time. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It just it just invites you to read more. Mm -hmm. whereas, yes, now the days are longer, and there's just so much to do, Mm -hmm. and so I read less, but I still do try to make time to read every single day. Mm, Very
2: good. Yes, I almost felt um, pleased yesterday. Uh, We're recording this on a Monday, so on Sunday it was overcast, and so then, and I have a lot of reading to do for this summer reading podcast and a couple of guests in June. So I'm like, oh, I can just stay inside and read this afternoon.
0: <laughs> I know it. It does feel like a gift sometimes when it's raining and not inviting to go outside. You're like, oh, fine, I'll right. stay indoor and do all this stuff I need to do.
2: Right, right. <laughs> yes, because I'd already gone swimming and played pickleball, so I'd had my time outside already. So yeah, but I. As a child, I was a huge reader outside that um, I often sat in a tree and read or lay on our, we had a sloping backyard. So it was perfect for, you know, kind of perching the book up in front of you and reaching over that. <laughs> turns, turns out <laughs> I was go ahead while we go- I'm,
0: I'm picturing Little House on the Prairie like rolling plains you yeah. have a bonnet on yeah. lace up boots a I gotta, dress
2: I gotta say I did own a sun bonnet just because I was such a huge fan of Little House on the Prairie but the funny part yeah. was what I was laughing about was that it turns out that the spot that I enjoyed most laying on the grass was right over our septic tank because guess what that's where oh. the longest luscious grass was
0: <laughs> did it not ever overflow i I mean i i used to live in a house with a septic tank and i sometimes things would just pop up yeah no
2: no, thankfully no thankfully no (laughs) so but i do still enjoy reading outside as an adult though typically in a chair or a hammock and here in portland we have um you know sewer systems so we don't have any septic tanks with with (laughs) juicy grass on top but um yeah so do you ever read outside
0: I do. Uh mm-hmm. we have so we have this this house on a corner and so we have like three different sides of our house that you could sit outside mm, lovely. And there's two side patios and then we have a huge driveway. And so I a few years ago put a table and chairs out there and my husband's like, Why do you want to sit on the driveway? and It actually is the perfect reading spot because it's a little bit shadier, Mm. but also I can keep my eye on everyone who walks by, (laughs) you know, like I can look like I'm reading, but I'm actually just spying just, you know, who's... Who do I have to tell to get off my lawn? Or <laughs> Who's learning how <laughs> Who's- to drive the standard car up the hill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. This has nothing to do with the podcast. Last night, I almost texted you because the car returned. No way. <laughs> it did. Tell, and- t- tell people it- what we're talking about. <laughs> so we live on it. A- on a hill, but it's an Illinois Hill. So it's maybe like a 2% grade and it's (laughs) perhaps like 50 meters long. And, The local driving school uses it to teach the students how to do stick shift. And so last night, sure enough, and it was so odd because it was probably 8.30 p.m. It's Mm -hmm. almost dark. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the XL driving car pulls up and they start sliding down the hill and then they go up the hill and down the hill. (laughs) So it's this ongoing joke from the other podcast because it's it's only around this time of year when the XL driving car comes out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: Oh, my goodness. I love it i love it all right well uh we can um, maybe one day read outside together maybe on one of our, <laughs> our retreats one day or something or yeah. when i visit the chicagoland area to play pickleball because you're getting a Ooh. whole lot new courts i hear you got some new courts lighted pickleball courts there in naperville i got a photo of them this morning from stacy wow so, uh, yeah. i didn't th- i
0: this isn't in the naperville news <laughs> yeah. but i'll take stacy's word for it <laughs>
2: All right. Well, so in this episode, you're going to, with a common theme between two books, which is mindset and why it's important for success and contentment and all those good things. So, so lay it on us. What's the deal with mindset?
0: Yeah. Well, I chose these two books because I haven't, while I have read lately, I haven't read anything that really jumped out at me. Mm. So I went back into my bookshelves and I found two books on mindset. And I thought this would be particularly relevant right now because everyone has done a lot of training and Mm. now they're getting out there and racing. And sometimes we feel like we just have to check boxes on our training plan. We show up and boom, the result happens when really there's so much more to it than that. Mm. And that's where the mind comes into play. So two books, the first book is kind of a how to guide on really how to tap into your mind Mm. uh, and how to, you know, that idea of mastering mind over muscle. And so the book is called How Bad Do You Want It? And I think it was written back in 2015. It's by Matt Fitzgerald, who is oh, probably sure. one of the most, yeah, he's one of the most prolific endurance mm. sport writers out there. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't just write a bunch of fluff. His books are really well researched and, and and written almost as an endurance athlete because he himself has been a high performer for a long time.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. He's been on the podcast at least once.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I really like this, and a lot of my athletes tend to reference this book too. And he goes into a little bit of the research behind mindset, and then he just gives you strategies on how you can tap into, you know, using your mind as an asset. Um, and that's actually something both of the books have in common: that idea of your mind as an asset, not an obstruction. And one of my favorite co- quotes from the book is: "More often, they insist that their advantage lies not in having more to give." But rather in being able to give more of what they have. And Mm -hmm. I like this quote because it expresses the idea that people who succeed, people who achieve their goals are not all that different. Of course, there's some truly talented, unique physical specimens out there, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them, a lot of them are just tapping into what they already have and making the most of it and using that mind to get them there. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, this would be a great book for anyone who's looking to just take their performance to the next level or just get the most out of themselves. It does come in a little long, 260 pages, Mm -hmm. but lots of great examples, good stories, and he's just a compelling author. So Mm -hmm. highly recommend that one. Good, good. The other book, it's a little different. It's one of my favorite books. It's actually one of Coach Jen's favorite books. And the book is called Elite Minds, Creating the Competitive Advantage. And it's by Dr. Stan Um, He's a sports psychologist and leadership consultant. He's out of Georgia. And this book is just, it's really different. It's a really honest conversation about, okay, how do we take that mind and get to the next level? What are the conversations that you need to have in your head? And, you know, he kind of takes the book full circle when at the end of it, he says, running is physical and racing is mental. Oh, yeah, wow. So it just has it just has a lot of really good nuggets in here. You know he talks about how perfectionism gets in our way of succeeding. He talks about um, how at every point in the race there is this go moment and you just need to go and get out there and take a huge risk. And how it really it just all comes down to giving yourself permission to win, but also permission mm. to fail and understanding that failure and success are both part of growth. So Mm. I just, I just love both of these books, elite minds. It it falls under my rule. It's about 170 pages. So, you know, no wonder (laughs) why it's one of my favorites. (laughs) I actually have owned two copies. I sent one off to someone. I've read this book several (laughs) times and Mm -hmm. it's just written all over the place. So either one of those would be a, a good starting point for just digging into just getting into like, how do we, Actually, achieve high performance. Forget the training. We all know how to follow a training schedule, but how do Mm -hmm. we get there by digging into our mind?
2: Mm, I like it. I like that. And sounds like these would be good books to maybe keep by the bedside and just read in kind of small chunks during a training cycle. Yes. um, And then kind of ruminate on it while you're out there doing your workouts.
0: Yeah. And I I find that even before a race, I will just take Elite Minds off the shelf. I'll go into Mm -hmm. one of the chapters. And I'll just find a quote. I mean, he just has a way of writing just quotes that really, you know, get they get to the bottom of it. Mm. And and, you know, I'll just carry that quote with me in my mind for the race. Mm-hmm. And, and I've mm. I've had some really great performances just thinking about this book. Mm. You
2: don't do you ever write quotes on your hands or anything like that? I think, you know,
0: back in the day I did. It's funny though. I mean, now my, uh, my son, he's going on 13. He comes home with all this stuff on his arm. And I'm like, what <laughs> is this? And he goes, well, it's, he's telling me, I mean, there's a whole plan to it. You know,
2: (laughs) with the advent of the iPhone, I find myself writing less on my hand, but every so often if I need to remember to pick something up, like on the way back from somewhere, I will write it on my hand because otherwise, you know, like, let's say I go swimming and then on the way back, I'm supposed to stop at our merchandise printer or whatever. And then, you know, of course I pull into the driver. I'm like,
0: ah, I didn't stop at OSI. So then I'll write (laughs) OSI
2: on my hand or something.
0: Do Do you ever, do you ever send yourself, Uh, An email in the middle of the night.
2: (laughs) I don't do that. I occasionally will text myself. Yes. Um, And I'm always pissed that my phone doesn't know that, like, it doesn't offer me up as the first Sarah. I'm like, uh, no, that's don't funny. want to send that to my, you know, <laughs> my old rowing buddy or my yeah. hood to coast, you know, relay team member. No, I want to text me.
0: Isn't that funny? <laughs> and then, and then you have this text in your phone, and it's like Elizabeth Waterstrat texted Elizabeth Waterstrat. <laughs> like, yes. You're looking at it. And you're like,
2: oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, as always, thank you for sharing your, your books and your thoughts about those books with us, Liz. I was enjoying this.
0: Thank you, Sarah.